O holy God, teach us what it means to be holy, to be found holy, holy in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. God's peace to you, friends. As you uh, know, these, uh, this midweek Lenten sermon series is entitled, Calling Us Home. And we draw on insights from the first letter that was written by Peter, Jesus' disciple. God is calling. He's calling you. He's calling me. He's calling us home. But what does that mean as we are still in our pilgrimage, as we still journey on this planet toward our true eternity, our true home? Well, this being the Lenten season, the obvious answer might be that God is calling us to repentance. That's the obvious answer, and it is true, of course, God is calling us to repentance. But maybe a caveat is in order about repentance, because repentance can be done, you might say, too easily, too superficially or externally. In fact, we can even actually repent in a way that ends up deceiving ourselves. Now, I know the sermon has just begun here, but I, I need your full attention right now, okay, because Lent is a penitential season, but what I want you to understand is that doing repentance is not enough. The mere external doing of repentance is not nearly enough. Our text for this evening is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Peter writes, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So far, our text. You know, as wonderful as life in this world can sometimes be, we are still in exile from our true home in heaven. And in this life, there are dangers and deceptions all around us. And one temptation is to simply go through the motions of doing outward repentance without what's really needed, a real change of heart. In fact, Jesus himself complains about people who just go through religious motions. He said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In fact, 700 years before Jesus said those words, God said those same words through the prophet Isaiah to the Old Testament Israelite people. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So, with that caveat in mind, let's listen up. Listen up with care and even, may I say, even with a little bit of anxiety. This, this sermon is maybe going to make us a little uncomfortable tonight. 
But let's listen with a little anxiety lest we forget that we are headed to the holy God who expects us to come to Him with true holiness. Did you hear Peter's quote of Leviticus chapter 19 where God says, you shall be holy for I am holy. Tonight we want to explore a little bit about the nature of holiness. What does it mean that we are to be holy? Well, first of all, holiness describes the the inmost nature of God, His transcendent perfection. You know, when Isaiah got a vision of the heavenly throne room, the seraphim, those rather strange angelic beings, were singing, holy, 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 in reference to God. Well, we just sang those words, didn't we, in that well-known hymn? Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. But uh, if we're honest, don't we sometimes sing those words uh, with just a little too much familiarity? I'll confess that I've done that at times. I know the hymn so well, I just sing it without really thinking about the words and considering the import of those words. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It ought to make me pause. After all, God's being is beyond anything creaturely. Who can understand the being of the transcendent God? Job thought he had everything uh, lined up the way it was supposed to be, and what did God do? He thundered at Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth, putting Job in his rightful place? God's holiness, his transcendent being, his place so high above us is, so, is not simply an intellectual thing to, to grasp a hold of, this concept. No, God's holiness, God's being is so great that it produces an emotional reaction that really should seize our total being. Let me say that again. God's holiness, His transcendent being is so great, it produces an emotional reaction that should seize our whole being, the entirety of ourself. And that reaction to God's incomprehensible being, our fundamental feeling in Lent is, now, now please get this because this is so essential to Lent, our fundamental feeling in Lent is fear. Yes, I said it. Fear. Fear caused by the holiness of God. You know, however many years ago when we learned the explanations to the Ten Commandments from Martin Luther's small catechism, we memorized, we should fear. And not just fear, we memorized, we should fear and love God, right? So what does that mean? Let's understand what this fear of God is that makes us then love God. First of all, let's be clear. The fear of God we're talking about is not a slavish 
fear. This is not cowering fear. That's one extreme that we want to set aside. But neither do we want to be deceived into the opposite extreme, kind of a flippant familiarity with God as if there's nothing particularly special or holy about him. No, that extreme we need to set aside as well. This fear of God that the Bible teaches is an awe, a reverence, a shut-me-up stillness, not just at the holiness of God, but especially, and this is so important, a stillness especially that the Holy One Himself comes to us with His grace and teaches us to call Him Father. Our text from Peter says, if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. There it is, that holy fear. And this fear is not just that we will come before God at our last heartbeat. I suppose that's scary enough to think about. Think of it this way. Have you ever had those medical tests where they hook you up to a whole bunch of monitors and then you see what's really going on inside your body, things that you never really even thought about before? Think about what God sees in you, what he sees every day, every moment. My wife and I have a chuckle with each other fairly frequently over a phenomenon that happens to us many, many times. We can be out and about, either locally here in town or far away, and inevitably, we see somebody we know. Or somebody walks up to us who knows us, and we don't know who they are, say, hey, Pastor Alan, how's it going? And it's fun, you know. But it's just remarkable how many times we are out and about, we see someone we know. A number of years ago, we are smack in the middle of Disneyland in Anaheim, California. Thousands of people around, right? Lots of places to go in Disneyland. But no, sure enough, right in the middle of Disneyland, not one, but two families from Shepherd of the Desert Lutheran School at different times walk up, hey, Pastor Allen, how's it going? We just always seem to see somebody we know when we're out and about. And then our little joke is my wife will say, well, you know, so you know, there's always somebody watching, so don't be doing something you shouldn't be doing. (laughs) To which I always respond, ah, but there's always someone watching all of us, isn't there? Yeah, God is always watching. Think about what God sees in you, that he sees everything in every moment of every day. Maybe that's what moved the psalmist in Psalm 19 to say, declare me innocent from hidden faults, O God. And yes, you know, God would have every right to punish us for our sins, our failings, our bad thoughts, and so on. 
But as true as that is, it is not the fear of punishment that wows us this Lenten season. No, what wows us at Lent is our amazement that God is for us, not against us. That is the amazing truth. That God is calling us home. We are journeying, of course, to Him. But really, if you think about it, He is already coming out to greet us, coming to greet us like the father greeted the prodigal son who ran to meet his son as he returned home to welcome him with open arms. God is coming to us while we're still on the way, coming to us in his son, Jesus Christ, to lead us home, in his son, Jesus, who, while we were still sinners, came to us and died in our place. And he's the one who invites us to come home. Psalm 34, God says, come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. You see, the fear of God that looks to Jesus leads us to be holy and not just do holy things. What does being holy mean in a place like this, in a, in a church sanctuary like this. You know, we are surrounded, if you will, by holy things, holy church architecture, church furnishings, special clothing you're wearing, special robes, rituals and liturgies, all seemingly holy things, holy things that, in a sense, make us look holy to other people but things that actually can deceitfully tempt us into superficiality alone, which, of course, is not sufficient. Remember Jesus' complaint? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I'll say it again. We are surrounded by holy things that can make us look holy to others, but can also tempt us into superficiality, into doing repentance instead of truly being repentant from the heart. And God wants a holy, truly repentant, pure heart. Martin Luther talks about a pure heart. Now, this I want to read this quotation of Martin Luther. It's it's rather long, but I think it's worth hearing. And in his own unique Martin Luther way, he speaks at times just rather down to earth, so pardon the kind of crude, in-your-face language. But this is what he has to say about a pure heart. He says, then what is a pure heart? In what does it consist? The answer can be given quickly and you do not have to climb up to heaven or run to a monastery for it and establish it with your own ideas. You should be on your guard against any ideas that you call your own, for they are just so much mud and filth. 
And you should realize that when a monk in the monastery is sitting in deepest contemplation, excluding the world from his heart altogether, and thinking about the Lord God the way he himself paints and imagines him, he is actually sitting, if you will pardon the expression, in the dung, not up to his knees, but up to his ears for he is proceeding on his own ideas without the word of God. And that is sheer deception and delusion as scripture testifies everywhere. And Luther goes on to say, what is meant by a pure heart is this, one that is watching and pondering what God says and replacing its own ideas with the word of God. This alone is pure before God. Yes, purity itself, which purifies everything that it includes and touches. Therefore, though a common laborer, a shoemaker, or a blacksmith may be dirty and sooty, or may smell because he is covered with dirt and pitch, still he may sit at home and think, my God has made me a man. He has given me my house, wife, and child, and has commanded me to love them and to support them with my work. Note that he is pondering the word of God in his heart. And though he stinks outwardly, inwardly he is pure incense before God. But if he attains the highest purity so that he also takes hold of the gospel and believes in Christ, without this, that purity is impossible, then he is pure completely, inwardly in his heart toward God and outwardly toward everything under him on earth, unquote. What makes for a pure heart? the gospel message of Jesus Christ crucified and risen for us. For you see, at the cross of Christ, we are made holy. There the Holy One, Jesus himself, takes all of our unholiness on himself and is damned for it all on a cross that we might then through faith be declared holy in God's sight. That is what enables us to truly be holy, completely holy. Luther's words should make us all concerned to truly be holy and not just do holy things like going through the motions of a superficial repentance. Oswald Chambers wrote these profound words on the screen. The characteristic of a disciple is not that he does good things, but that he is good in motive because he has been made good by the supernatural grace of God. The only thing that exceeds right doing is right being. You probably notice that the sermon title for tonight's message is a play on the words of the hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. You see, God 
is holy. And when God tells us to be holy, he means completely holy, 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 completely holy, through and through holy. Conduct is doing, but being holy comes first. As Peter said in the text, you also be holy in all your conduct. Friends, God is calling us home. At the end of this journey that we call life, may we be found holy, holy, holy in Jesus. Amen. And may the peace of God which passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.